Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another Money Show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Correo and J.R. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day -day as financial advisors with Rochford and Associates, fully independent, fourth-generation family office right here in the greater Phoenix area to bring you information you may not find on those other financial radio shows. We are aware the last thing you need is another money show, but we appreciate you being here. And today we've got uh, all kinds of topics. Uh, questions for, you know, where are you putting your cash? We say to be cash heavy all the time, but are you making interest on it? And if you are not making interest on it, is it the bank's fault? Maybe that's uh, something the SEC is looking into. Uh, were you affected by deposit delays last week with some of the bigger banks and their ACH flaws? We're going to talk WeWork stock since we brought it up last week. Um, it's not as, nearly as exciting as I was hoping it was going to be. More FDIC news. It looks like they've got their newest quarterly reports. And I'm going to be real honest, the numbers don't make sense. We're going to talk about that. Oh, and Congress just gave themselves an extra $34,000 a paycheck because they are so poor and $174,000 is not enough to live on, but federal minimum wage is $7 an hour. I looked it up, Jer. Arizona's 14 and change. Federal is still $7 an hour. But Congress, they need that extra 30K. So anyways, we are going to start with our millennials or Gen Z or whatever this newest, stupidest generation name thing that we have. Are they lazy? And this is kind of a conversation that we bring up all the time. Part of the conversation we had uh, last week when we talked about the union strike. Um, but JR sent me a clip last night that he got off YouTube, which was stolen from TikTok, which was probably an Instagram or something at some point. So it's, uh, you know, discussing that topic. So we're going to play that clip for you now, and then we're going to give our two cents. Young people are beginning to snap on a illegal and rigged system set against them. They are waking up. Watch this. I don't want to work anymore. And now everyone who's not going to watch the full video can go comment about how lazy I am, how lazy my generation is, and how we just don't want to work anymore. I do want to work, but the problem is the purpose of a job is supposed to pay for you to be able to afford to live. And that's just not the case anymore. Everything is so expensive right now and wages are not keeping up with the cost of living. That is why my generation is frustrated. That is why we don't want to work anymore because we work really hard and we still can't afford to even get by. So like, what's the point? We can't afford to save. We can't afford to buy things we want. We can't afford to go out and do fun things. We can barely afford to pay our rent and buy food. All right, JR, so that was that clip we just played from the Benny show. You sent it to me last night. 
you wanted to know my thoughts, but I want to start with your thoughts because our listener base, you know, listening to AM radio, being out in Sun City is probably more closer to your age and mindset. And I know you grew up in a very different time than me, and I'm probably, you know, more of that angsty young lady that we just heard from. So what are your thoughts? I mean, do you agree? Uh, first thought, get off my lawn. That's where I'm going to start with this. See, exactly. That's what I was like, Jared with his grumpy old man pitch. I was like, let's just get into this right now. Grumpy old man. That's nice. Your poor gray-haired grandfather. So, all right, my two cents. First of all, according to her, I'm only going to be able to put in one cent. Apparently, inflation's cut that in half. Um, you know, I don't want to work either. I, jeez. That, th- this is a really tough one. And you know what? If we had a four-hour show, we wouldn't be able to figure this out. You know, I remember watching Andrew Yang, I believe his name was. He wanted universal basic income, which some states still through the COVID dollars are doing so. You know, there's reparations in some cities. There's some money flowing that people don't work for. But in general... It, th- this is a no-win situation. We w- we want UBI, okay? So we're gonna we're gonna pay everybody. Oh, you know what? Somebody. But that- why though? I mean, her point is not necessarily. Well, one it has nothing to do with the UBI. It, we can kind of get into that subject. But she's saying she wants to work, and nobody's gonna pay her for work. Well, okay, it does tie in in my little mind with the UBI because what she's saying is she wants to work, but it doesn't pay enough to make it worth working. And my thinking is, if we had a universal basic income, it would have to go along with changing the price of everything. I don't know if that's ever going to take place. The UBI, to give you a living wage, would have to be, what, sixty, seventy thousand 70000 a year? We're, you know, if you look at usdebtclock.org, you'll notice that within the last week, we are now at $33.7 trillion in debt. I've been able to save for a little while here, 33.6, but it's creeping up. So we are broke. The country's broke. I'm not sure where the UBI is going to come from. Yeah, but that's, it, not the, that's not the point. Because the UBI is to supplement the fact that she can't get a job to earn anything. The reason why everybody in this country, especially younger generations, are give me the UBI, give me you know the socialism, give me the health care, all the things that your generation is fighting against, is because they don't have enough money to buy it on their own. They're not being able to support it by finding jobs. And don't get me wrong, of course there are still high-paying jobs out there, but there's only so many. There's much more lower-paying job. There's the Burger King. There's, you know, the fast food, the servers. Like, I, I get that there's that balancing, right? You need to work harder. You need to get some of these other jobs. But even at that level... I mean, Congress just said that they can't live on 170000 a year. Do you think this girl off TikTok it can just find a job making 170000 a year? Well, first, so of all, the article, first of all, in the article about Congress, it also names a few people in there, and it talks about how many people are millionaires. So I, I don't want to hear it about the Congress. I mean, when we get to that, I've got a few thoughts. So, But as far as UBI, there is a point I was trying to get to. If you gave people 60000 a year without working, that's what you gave them to get by so they could afford the cost of living, and then they had to have some sort of job to make a minimum wage or better, they're still not going to get by. It used to be where you needed like sixty grand a year to be able to afford a house on average. Now it's over a hundred. It's like 114 or something I read. I wish I had it in front of me because it does tie into this. 
it, it's still not going to get you by. So, but we're broke, so we don't have the money. We can't really help you. You, you, and I, the I think we're a lot more close on this than you would think. Part of yeah. the problem is we are in a no-win situation. If you give people a living wage, you're going to jack the price of things up. Look at California now. If you work in a McDonald's in California, you're getting at least twenty dollars an hour. You know what the problem is? Now, Big Macs are starting to cost in the range of seven to ten dollars each. They they used to be you'd see the you know paint on the window with a special two for five dollars. Apparently, those days are gone. So yeah, but if my argument is the things are constantly raising all the time, but everybody you know you get these people that say, oh, we can't raise wages because that'll raise the cost of everything else. And it's not that that's not true. Of course, that's true. But people are raising the cost of everything without raising the wages at all. So okay, we're already seeing the effect of raising wages without the actual wages being raised. But what you have to dig into then is what kind of profit structure, what does the CEO pay versus the average hourly worker? I mean, oh, what you're saying makes sense. We are we are making more and more profit when you sell a car for sixty grand, you sell a Ford F one fifty, you know, for over a hundred grand, you, and you're paying the workers too low to live. That where is that money going? Everything's costing more and more. You're saying that the hourly wage employee isn't getting more and more. I agree. I'm not a fan. I like that we're in a free country. I like that the harder you work, the the more ahead you get. What I don't like, you know, the corporate disparity between the CEOs and the average worker, it's getting out of hand. It it didn't seem too noticeable. You know, previous to about a decade ago, you could still find good deals on a house. I mean, you know, I had a conversation last Friday with somebody on whether or not it was a good time to buy a house. And I was like, you know, if you're if you're patient, if you're not in a hurry, you can always find a good deal. You can find the needle in a haystack out there. But in general, it's a horrible time to buy a house. These houses that are worth three hundred grand are going for four hundred and fifty. They're going for five hundred grand. So that's not good. And then you look at the interest rate in the seven percent rate range, <laughs> wage range. You know, I noticed that came down the last week or so. Luckily, we're not in the eight range again. So, and by the way, seven point nine because you know that's ooh, nice. <laughs> but it's not eight. It's not eight. So, and part of our reason for this show, we came onto the show, what, a year and a half ago to sound alarms. We're telling you things are not good. We're telling you things are not what they appear day to day. This is just another example. Nothing is affordable. What do we do for this poor young woman and people her age? I, I'm not even sure it's a generational thing as much. You know, being in Sun City, I go into Safeway. I go into these these establishments around here. There is an older crowd working are they working because they were bored of watching tv are they working because they have to get by is it a choice between foods and and medicines i i don't know the answer to that i haven't interviewed them all but i can tell you they're not making a living wage either so i think this is across the board and jim i mean Jim's do you gonna... agree with the i guess do you agree with the statement that her generation is just too lazy because i do hear that i mean we some of it we... yeah yeah, some of it, yes. Well, that's every generation. There's some baby boomers that were pretty damn lazy too. But no, in general, she is right. And the people that say her generation is lazy can be right. I, I, I mean, think I agree with that. Because of course, everybody, there are, there's always lazy people in every generation. But I just, I disagree with the statement of just the generality that her 
generation is lazy because she makes a good point. You're the whole you you work to live, but if you're going to work and you still can't live, I get her saying, you know, what is even the point? And I'm not saying we have to we can fix this on this show. I just like the conversation. Yeah, right. No, and I get that, but I know we can't fix it on the show because there's no easy answer. And Jim brought up a really good point, too, in our little chat box. What about robots taking over for those pushing for $15 to $17 minimum wage? Here, here's my thought on the robots. I mean, here, here's a thought for you. When you put a, a kiosk into Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot or McDonald's or whatever, you know, I don't know what the outlay is. Maybe it's thirty grand. I don't know. But that thing, it, it just took away some of his job. So that, that's bad, if you ask me. It might be more error-free. It might be more convenient. You know, it doesn't have to pay into healthcare. It doesn't have to pay into workers' comp. It doesn't have to pay a wage. So it probably breaks even within a year. You know, the problem is go down the line further. You know, I mean, I'm about to turn 60. I thought either at 62 or 66 in 10 months or 70 or whatever, I could get Social Security. I think it's changing as quickly as in my time to grab it. So every machine that goes in, is less people paying into that big, huge Ponzi scheme we like to call Social Security. So there, there's so many problems to fix. And the, the problem is none of it's good. You know, what is going to happen? You know, the, we're going to have a new currency. Everything's going to reset. The, the country is past its expiration date. The world reserve currency, you know, I mean, everything about this country needs to change. And maybe this poor young woman will get a, a better break. I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know how to fix this. You know, you at your age, you do have different pressure than I did. I got my very first cell phone in 1995. It was this little ridiculous thing. It was an Oki was the brand. You had to pull up the antenna. It was 45 cents a minute. I used to buy 30 minutes. Man, I was the the cool thing. No, I almost said a bad word, Jim, but you can believe it out. And it's, it's so funny. Now I look at the phones. These things are $1,100. These things are ridiculous. So, and younger people, they do tend to want to spend money. You know, I, and I blame that on the baby boomers. We, well, we, let me, I want to say that too, because I think it's, we have more to consume. I don't think you talk to generations, you know, 100 years ago. And, you know, back in my day, it was different. And, but I was, th- I think it's because you didn't have the opportunity. You now don't have the that. consumables that you have now because if that. we had this then, you would have been just about, you would have done all the same things you're complaining about. I'm not sure I would have, Anthony. When's the last time you saw me get a new phone? Whenever I have to get a new phone, I buy like the second, you know, the previous generation. I, I don't agree with what we're spending money on. I think you should do a Roth IRA as a priority over a cell phone. How many people do you think would agree? You know, one out of 10? I mean, maybe 10%. Well, I don't see why you can't do both. But I mean, you also, you don't need to buy a phone every you, year. Our whole thing is about not a living wage. How can you do both? How can you fully fund a Roth? Well, and also too, yeah. and also too, if I if I may, just kind of separate you from the cell, the cell phone conversation. <laughs> you may. Because the cell phone, thank you. The cell phones have become almost a necessity for everybody, the smartphones. Mm-hmm. But what companies now, and um, this goes for streaming services, what they are doing now, they are finding every way that they could to squeeze out the younger generation, Gen Z, the generation below Gen Z, whatever they're, millennials, right? They're finding every way that every possible corner they can cut. 
every way, every dollar they can squeeze out of us. The streaming services, everything. Where it comes out to, when you really look at things, you're actually paying probably because you have all these streaming services plus the internet. You're probably paying ten to twenty dollars more a month than you would regular cable back in say even the late eighties and early nineties, right? And that all adds up, you know, in the end. And on top of that, mortgage rates are so high. So people are, the mindset out there is, hey, my mortgage rate or the mortgage rate is so high out there. What's the point? I can just, I'm just going to go get coffee every day or I'm going to pay for these streaming services because the money I have, I can't pay for a house as it is now. And I like that point that you made too, because we've, these companies aren't dumb. They'll find a way to make money off of you because these phone companies, you know, you're, you're talking about the thousand dollars every few years for a new phone, but that's not where these companies make their money. They make their money on the services, being able to charge you monthly and it's over and over and over. And then the society will create this way that becomes these things that used to be a treat, but now all of a sudden they become a necessity. And now you have to pay this and you're not just paying the product, you're paying that service over and over and over again. And well, of course, I, mean, I underlie. Jim, Jim said it perfectly. The phone's now a necessity. You know how hard it is to print off ticket. Try to go to any sort of event and not like I'll print off my paper tickets any opportunity I can because I break phones all the time and lose them. And it, the, I get weird looks every time for having paper tickets. But it's not like it is an actual paper ticket. It's me printing that off. But I just went and saw a concert at Van Buren, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And there wasn't an option for me to print my ticket. Otherwise, I would. I had to have it on a cell phone. Because what am I, I'm going to buy it on a computer and I'm going to carry my computer with me. But they were forcing me to have my phone to go to this concert, which has nothing to do with whether or not you have a phone. You should be able to go to a, you do whatever without a phone. Everything goes to your phone. The security for you trying to log into your accounts. Oh, well, you better have your phone so you can confirm that this is you. The phone has become an extension. It is a necessity at this point for most daily living, I would say. I agree with you, and I think it sucks. I think technology has gone too far, and I think it's about to go way further with AI. I mean, I, and I understand what you're saying. Look at look at the football games. Look at the Cardinals games. It used to be nice because you had a ticket and a lanyard, and if you sold your tickets or you gave them away, they got a commemorative ticket to keep. You know, now it's all on your phone. What if your battery dies? What if your phone breaks? You know, I, I don't know. I mean to make life more convenient. Is that really it? Or is it cost saving? Is it furthering the profit from these CEOs and the corporations? I don't know. But what's making our life too? And I don't know how much you think about this, but I do quite a bit. We're in the stone age right now. Give it a hundred years. I think the, the technology advancements you've seen over the last 60 years, the stuff I've seen over the last 30, I mean, it's compounding and compounding quickly. I feel like we're going to look back like this was the freest we ever were kind of thing, even though we we think we're so vigilant and being watched and the government's controlling everything we're doing. But I think it'll get way worse, I think. Well, I think Especially yeah. Isn't Elon Musk working on something where they put little wires in your brain and, you know, now we're all little robots? I mean, to me, it's the mark of the beast, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I think you're right. I think AI is what's really going to it be a blanket term to everything we do. So, and, I, and I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, I can tell you the older you are, I think the less you're looking forward to it. 
I say all the time, I realize we were never Mayberry or the Brady Bunch, but it sure was easier, you know, when I was a kid to do things than it is now. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think we're less social, I think. And, you know, you said you have more access to things than I did. You're right. So there goes your, your wallet. I mean, you have more access. You know, we're in a country that is, it is completely based upon instant gratification. I work hard. I deserve it. Well, my friends all have this. I watched our youngest son. I watched him, you know, when his friends got cell phones, the, you know, the pressure to have one. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad that he got a cell phone when we did. I just think it sucks. You know, he started playing video games, you know, Fortnite and all these things. And then he stopped seeing his friends. He didn't have to go outside. They could talk to each other in headphones and sit in their rooms. I don't know. I'm kind of glad. Because that's what society wants. They want that. And again, you didn't have the ability to sit around and play video games the way he did. I did too. I had Atari. I had Pong. You hater. Video game. Actually, Pong. I love Pong. That one's still. That one's a classic. I had N64, Nintendo 64. Um, Anthony, I'm sure you had that as well. Yeah. There was a mess. There's a meme out there this week that it showed four boxes and it showed how do you how did you wrap up your controller? I was always diagonal wrapping up my N64 controller. I would go over over on both sides, kind of like that's right. But also remember playing video games then you actually had to sit in the room with your friends, so you'd have everybody over and all the controllers connect. Maybe that's that's a bit for probably everybody listening that might be a little bit older than me, but it was. Video games used to bring us together. They still are. Now Jay can play with people across the country, across the world. Anyways, I guess that doesn't really matter. We we covered that topic. I just, you sent that video yesterday and I thought about that. I was like, why would I answer this, you know, through here? Let's have a conversation. And maybe we actually had a conversation this time. I don't know. I feel like you answered things like a politician. We're like, you have something you want to say and you're going to say it regardless of what the actual conversation is. So when I'm a politician, can I get $174,000 a year with an extra stipend of $34,000 per year? I would love that for you. You know, it's a food allowance. <laughs> As most you of the- You kid, I've seen you eat. You can eat 34000 in food a year. Oh, I need it a month. I need that a monthly. I need a third of a million just for food. Yeah, no, short, fat man. I'm And I'm proud of it. It's the only thing I really own. You know, everything else is leveraged. <laughs> so no, and- you know, it's funny because we didn't solve anything with that conversation, but I can tell you what, I mean, it's it's interesting because my whole thing is, is it going to get better or worse or stay the same? So I don't know. I think worse, but I mean, it's the conversation. I want people to think of things differently because I know there's a lot of people out there that just think the younger generation is just lazy. I, and I wouldn't say that as a whole. I do think there's a lot of people out there that want to work. They want to earn money and we're just not giving them the opportunities. No, older generations forget about, you know, the cost of things like, oh, back in my day, we could get a car for, you know, 3000 But yeah, that 3000 is the equivalent to what today? And when you compare those, the cost, the average cost of all the things you used to buy, not have just gone up from inflation, but just cost in general. And wages have not kept up with that. And that's the biggest problem that we're seeing in this country. Because again, you don't need uh, socialized medicine. You don't need um, yeah, yeah, universal basic income. You don't need all these subsidies if people can just afford to live. And that's the bare minimum. And that's not what people are getting. Although so. people are always going to try to cheat systems and beat systems. And so, even if they're, of course, they're, but they're always going to try to get. No, I didn't say all. I said some. 
And, you know, the whole thing about older people thinking younger generations are lazier, lazier, I'm sure that's happened throughout history. I look around me sometimes if I'm somewhere and I see younger people are more likely to be looking down at their phone. And I, I just, it, it gives an impression that that's your priority. Like your head's not at work. It, when I was younger and I worked, you didn't get there the minute you're supposed to be there. And then if you're done at five, you didn't clock out at five o'clock on the dot. Sometimes there was something to finish. You, you, you just, it seemed like people worked harder when I was younger than they do now. And that's my impression. I know there's hardworking people and not so much. There's good and bad people in every industry. I get all that. I am not a, it's this way or that way kind of guy, but I don't know. I mean, I see things changing and I don't think it's always for the best. With that said, in the second half, since we took so much time up to fix the world's economic problems. Let me get through some headlines right after the break because we have some really, really, really good stuff going on right now that's important. So let's do this. Why don't we ease into break? We would love for you to check us out at team at anothermoneyshow.com. Give us your questions. Give us show ideas, whatever you want. We like your help. Michael C. in Sun City, a little quiet with the articles lately here. So kind of reach out to us here. Give us some new information. Now you do your own work. You can't just rely on it. That's the issue. Well, you know, he's about the same generation that I am. He probably looks at me as kind of lazy. Like we need Michael C. and Sun City or else we run out of stuff to talk about. I so, look at you, lazy generation. Anyways, make, our, make our sales pitch for where people can find us. We got a minute left. We have a minute left. I can do anything in a minute or under. So you can find us. The very, very best way to find us, YouTube. Go to YouTube.com and plug in another money show. So we we're putting out shorts and little videos and hopefully it's an easy way to introduce you to our hour-long show every Saturday at noon on 960 The Patriot. And you young kids, wherever you find your favorite podcast, you will also find us, Another Money Show. Thank you so much, as always, for being here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, and we're going to rattle off a few of the week's biggest stories in the news. This is Another Money Show, except this one's different. This one's actually fun. A clash of speed and iron are coming to a streaming service near you this fall. I'm Jim Tarabokia with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. This November, streaming giant Netflix will stream its first-ever live sporting event, the Netflix Cup, a golfing competition featuring Formula One racers and PGA Tour golfers. Josh Schaefer of Yahoo Finance explains how this new venture makes sense for Netflix. This is happening the week that F1 is in Las Vegas, and this event is happening in Las Vegas. So for fans to be able to engage with their favorite Drive to Survive characters, I think is something to think about here. The golfing exhibition will showcase two star-studded rosters with names including Ricky Fowler and Lando Norris, who will play a professional eight-hole course with the two top teams advancing to the final hole to determine the winner of the inaugural Netflix Cup title. Meanwhile, the Netflix sports catalog that features hit series such as Quarterback continues its upward growth with this new live event and will be charging up to $2 million to secure advertising space. Any advertiser that wants in for the crossover golf event will have to commit to spending $2 million on Netflix ad-supported tier. 
So what does this mean for the live sports future of Netflix? The streaming service has been very timid about producing live sports content, but according to the Wall Street Journal, live boxing could be shown on the platform in the near future. And with the NBA television rights deal up for bidding next year, analysts wonder if Netflix could jump further into the live sports pool in the future. For the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Jim Tarabokia. Another weekend, another money show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com. Here we are. You're back listening to another money show. Anthony Correo, J.R. Rochford. I had to reintroduce the show a couple of times because I kept saying my name incorrectly. And I swear I haven't been drinking yet this morning. Anyways, let's hop into WeWork. We brought this up last week. There was um, talks of it declaring bankruptcy this week, which looks like it ended up happening. But what we were talking about was Yellow Trucking, Hertz Rental Car, and all these companies that talk about declaring bankruptcy, and then all of a sudden the stock skyrocket. Well, that did not happen with WeWork. WeWork was just taken off. It was just done. So how I tried to do some uh, investigating into how they decide, you know, when these stocks delist, and everything says as soon as they declare bankruptcy. But, you know, that's not really what we're seeing. Um, especially with some of these other ones. So I don't know if it's linked to news articles. I don't know. But I was hoping to have more excitement for you. However, the big thing with WeWork is they had a lot of commercial real estate. And we're already on the cusp of that might be the catalyst to kind of jumpstart the next recession, Great Depression, whatever it is that we have coming. So this is one more factor to that. What do you think? Uh, I'm bored. I'm bored already. Yellow trucking, auto strikes. Gambling. All right, well, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the money. I want to get right into the banks. That, that's right. where the action is. So obviously, if, if you have not been under a rock, you may have heard last Friday, some people had some problems with their deposits into their accounts. Apparently, from our reading, it was a snag. You know, we're being told it was not a cyber attack, which, you know, I guess that's good. That buys us time to get to the cyber attack. But apparently it was a snag with the ACH. You know what I didn't read? You know what word was glaringly missing from every article I read <laughs> from this morning through last Friday? Where, where's the word Fed now? I thought the ACH, I thought all of this transaction stuff was going through the platform of Fed now. And I didn't see that one time. You would think even accidentally somebody would put in there, you know, how many, there's so many trillions of ACH transactions. What about FedNow transactions? Could this be oh, a growing a pain? Point. I didn't even could, think about that. Could this be a growing pain towards our new banking structure? But here nor there, I didn't see it. Or, so I guess I won't jump. Are they having issues with it to lead into why everybody should be on FedNow and game on? Let us destroy the old system and now we've got this new one to present where all everything's fixed. Could be. Toe in the water. You know, all of a sudden it's going to happen because it, it wasn't just Chase. I mean... You know, the articles I read, it was Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, U.S. Bank, Truist. So it, it was it was more than one bank. And as of this morning, I went on the website Down Detector. That's a great website if you've never been there. Down Detector, it, it shows outages where they are. You can look up like, you know, Verizon or T-Mobile. You can look up the banks. And as of this morning, Down Detector, Down Detector is yeah, I've been man. drinking too. So they are not saying much, which is a little bit weird. You know, it's like it just went away. But some of the comments 
were basically saying they're still not getting the direct deposit. They're, they're still having a problem. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how big this is. I don't know if it's going to grow legs. I'm not sure yet. But anyway, so three plus days, at least that we know of, of bank transaction snags, That's that to me, that's really, really a problem. Especially in light of the fact that we've been saying to you for over a year, year and a half, we've been saying these banks are in trouble. When we had Silicon Valley Bank, when that went south, you know, we were telling people this is not over. You know, when that blew over, the media stopped telling us it's over. Well, this past weekend, another bank failed. By the way, today is November 8th. As we record, another bank, this one was Citizens Bank out of Sac City, Iowa. I've never heard of Sac City. It's It sounds like a fun place to live, though. So anyway, Sac City, Iowa, Citizens Bank. That bank, I looked into a little bit, kind of small, $66 million in assets, but it was opened up in 1929. That's a pretty long-serving bank, you know, small community bank. I believe there are only two branches, but now it is going to be part of the Iowa trust and savings. So the FDI swooped in, made sure his deposits are going to be safe. My whole issue with the banks, it's still a slow burning run on the banks. We have told you over the years, you need to look into a few things. One, you need to look into the word bail in. It is not like a bail out that we had in 2008, 9, 10. You need to look into bail in. I still believe it's it's more than a coin toss. I think it's more than a 50-50 shot you're going to have to live through a bail-in coming up. I think it's any time from tomorrow through two years. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm thinking everything's imminent. The housing market, obviously, those cracks keep getting wider. I've been saying for a year, realtors, make sure you dust off your manual on foreclosures and short sales, everything in life cycles. But with the banks, we told you to research bail-in. We told you to look up executive order 14067 to kind of see what the future is of our banking. I can, I can add something new for you. Actually, let me give you something else old first. We told you to go on FDIC.gov and look at the reserves. If you have under $250,000 in an account, or let's say you have $500,000, you put it in two different accounts, titled differently, you feel kind of covered. You have insurance. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation will insure you. Go on their website. Do, go into the little, the little search block and put in DIF. I, I believe how I found it yesterday was DIF numbers. And it will show you, they do, they do a quarterly report on what kind of solvency, 1.10%. Think about that for a second. So you feel warm and fuzzy that if we have a, a bank run that grows legs and gets worse, eh, no worries, the government will give you your money back. The government has 1% of your money. They look at all the depositor assets, they total them up, and then they look at their insurance fund and they total it up and they say we have about 1%. We, we've been telling people lately, you better start waking up and looking at insurance companies You know, for, tr- for traditional retirement planning. You better start seeing that there's good and bad annuities. You better start seeing that there's safer options. The, the money we put into even, even ultra short, like one year insurance company products have a 100% guarantee on your money where your bank has one. So- 99 point spread. I don't know. Act accordingly. We've told you, get rid of your safe deposit box. You know, these people in Iowa, they're going to get their safe deposit box contents. I was looking for that in the articles I read. I want to know what's going to happen to the safe deposit box. And, and I did find it addressed in one article. They're going to get that. 
the Iowa Trust and Savings is taking over the two physical branches. So no harm, no foul. I'm not thinking that's going to be the case in the future. You know, one thing too, there's still a huge, huge problem with the banks themselves on losing money. You know, if, you, if you've ever looked into fractional banking, you know, fractional reserves, in 2020, March of 2020, they made it where the banks can loan out 100% of their money. They don't have to leave a dollar in the bank in case you and I want to walk into the branch and ask for money. They don't have to have it. When you sign a depositor agreement, you're saying the bank can do whatever they want with your money. And then when you want it back, they'll do their best, but we'll have to wait and see. And right now we are being stretched real thin on that. It was uh, Wells, which one was it that I was reading about this morning? Chase. Chase is down. This is quarter three. The numbers just came out. They're down $40 billion unrealized loss in their bond portfolio. That's a 20% rise over the second quarter. Citibank, which hasn't reported quarter three yet, was down $25 billion in quarter two. The, the big dog on this one, Bank of America. There's something like $136 billion down year to date. Th- these are- You know huge. what that means though? What it means? Explain any of those? Yeah. Yeah, it means- Explain to the audience. Their own investing. They're losing their ass. Is that a blunt way to say that? Jim, hopefully I can say that word on the radio. Nah, not really, because this is any bondholder across the board. You had 15 years of zero interest- and then they skyrocketed overnight, essentially. That means any bonds you bought over those 15 years before things went up in 2020 are going to devalue. And you're going to lose if you have to sell those bonds early. If you hold it to maturity, uh, you get the money back. But if, you have, if you're forced to sell your bonds before then because of the inverse relationship between bond value and interest rates, when interest rates rise, bond values drop. That's why they're saying all these banks have unrealized losses because they have older bonds that have lost a ton of value. And if you look at the banking system as a whole, I think you said, what, $40 billion for Chase. The banking system as a whole has $650 billion in unrealized losses. $650 billion, almost a trillion dollars. And will that come back to haunt them? Now, possibly, because that's what brought down SVB. If there's a run on the bank and if people need to pull money and they need to sell these bonds at a loss to cover their depositor assets that are trying to be withdrawn, then yes, then this becomes a huge issue, which is what we saw in the case of SVB. Now, if people don't pull their money, if they don't have to sell these assets at loss, this is kind of a, a non-factor. But because we talk on the show about all the other issues that we're watching, you know, this could be. This could be a huge hit. But so, I want to bring up that. As, as long as the economy's fine and healthy and everything's good and we have no inflationary pressures, no geopolitical pressures, we should be fine. We should get away with this, right? As long as yeah, nobody's... And we don't have any of those things. Yeah, no, we're fine. Which is but, really, really lucky. So I want to talk about those the DIF numbers at the FDIC that you brought out because, you know, they just released these even though this is for Q2 technically, or, you know, based on this year because they're talking about June of 23 numbers. With SVB failing, 
the FDIC said that they were estimating a 20 billion loss in March. So I feel like those numbers should be accounted in this. But if you look at what the FDIC has kept in their coffers from Q1 to Q2, they actually went up. It's about 160 billion, or I'm sorry, 116 billion. It went up to just under 117 billion. Where where did that 20 billion go? Where did the bailout money for SVB go if it didn't come from the FDIC? Ukraine? Are you waiting for me to answer that? Well, I mean, a little bit. I mean, saying Ukraine, that's not a... How does that... I'm being funny. I'm being yeah, funny. I, I, know. I mean, where where does all our money go? Ukraine. Now it's going to Israel. I guess but none I'm of saying, it made it to Acapulco or Maui. This document should show a loss if they had to cover all these assets. SVB had almost $200 billion in assets, which is almost double what the FDIC has in, in its ability to cover people. But this massive bank, the fifth largest bank in the world, I think at the time, or sixth, seventh, it's in that range. This is the fifth bank that we just lost of 2023, that Iowa bank. But if the FDIC isn't actually the one bailing out these banks, where does that money come from? Because their numbers show that nothing ever left. And that doesn't make any sense to me. And if you look at the troubled assets... Um, which again, you can find on the FDIC's website. Uh, that skyrocketed in 2022, has dropped down to in 2023, even though in 2023 is now when we're actually starting to lose banks. So none of their numbers make sense. And you can actually see the unrealized um, losses chart too, if you look at their annual... Part. Anyways, I'm sure this is all boring and nobody wants to hear about this. This is why everybody likes GR's ranting more than my analytical thing but i i we want you to know that we are looking into these like there's a reason why we're saying these things we say because none of this makes sense but and if you want that, the annual report if you want us to explain in detail shoot me an email at team at another money show.com i will send it to you we can spend hours on the phone and i will tell give you all of my woes and confusion on the banks sorry i didn't mean to go out that rant and take a uh, time away from you but it was just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Perhaps you just hit the magic button. None of this makes sense. There, If a government can just go into a computer and say, poof, we can bail out Mark Cuban, we have a problem. Where, where does all the money come from? Today, I believe I mentioned, is the 8th of November as we record. You know what that means? Next week, we run out of money again. Did, did anybody remember that? The government shutdown comes around again next week. We delayed it, but here it comes next week. The, the government is out of control. I read a headline of an article. I didn't even I didn't even open it because I just didn't have the stomach for it. The, the headline says, Treasury's Yellen calls Republican efforts to cut IRS funding for Israel damaging and irresponsible. You want me to read that again? Treasury's yelling and calls Republican efforts to cut its funding for Israel. You know why? Damaging and irresponsible. I forgot the internet. You know why that bothered me right away? First of all, stop making it political. It's financial. We are about to lo lose the world's reserve currency. We have the BRICS that are going to tighten up. We're in the middle of World War III. Everybody said, well, we don't want to get into it. Yeah, we are in it. It's going on all over the world. It's, it's growing legs. 
if China goes into Taiwan, if Iran and us directly fight each other, then we're going to finally call it World War III. You know what wars are? They're good for the bankers, by the way. These, these wars are very good for the bankers. The, these, it's all about money. You know, I have kids. I think for future generations, we should fix our country. Stop fixing other countries. Stop spending money. Take away the checkbooks. I think all of this is insane. You know, we're, we're about to give more money to Ukraine. Is Ukraine even still a thing? I don't even hear about it anymore. How long are we supposed to let these pol- political officials, representatives, elected people, they're, they're cheating us. You know, we start by making jokes. They're getting $174,000 a year over at Congress, and now they're going to get another $34,000 a year for a food allowance. While some of us are struggling, you know, we talk about the credit card debt going over a trillion dollars. There's a lot of people that are getting by, but barely. So th- this is, I don't know, I get so angry. And even if you're wealthy, even if you're rich, you've got to be getting a little bit worried about the future of the healthcare system, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the, the f- future for your kids and your grandkids. And if you're not worried, if you have enough where you're not worried, you should be pissed. You should be angry that everything's being run so poorly. You got rich, either you developed a business, you worked really hard, you won the lottery, you inherited, somehow you did okay. You should be angry that your tax dollars are going anywhere but your kids and your grandkids' future. I mean, this, this whole thing is ridiculous. And you know what? And I know that I'm talking bad about the government. I, 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 we need smaller government. You know, one thing I read yesterday, there's a new HR, a new House resolution to look into, the HR 2969, the Financial Technology Protection Act of 2023, the purpose to combat terrorism and illicit financing. So as I'm worried about our coffers and our government shutdown and our extensive spending and our country going down the toilet and younger workers not getting enough to get by, the government just keeps adding more stuff on it. You know, what did we say last week? Now the government is going to monitor and maintain and, and be the controlling force over AI. Good luck with that. You know, it, it, we just keep getting thinner and thinner and it, it makes me more and more worried. The M2, you used to talk, Anthony, about the money supply. It's shrinking, you know, and I go back to when you first got to the office, you said, you know, what am I so worried about? There's always been something to worry about. And I'm like, yeah, but there's never been this many. It's on steroids. My list of stuff to get through today is way too long, even if we had an extra hour. I mean, I, I look at the M2 money supply is shrinking rapidly. That's a really bad sign because every time in history that's happened, it led to a worse problem in our country. And let me, I want to touch on that too, because I, again, I deep dive into these articles because it's one thing, you know, I read what they said. It's like every time it's dropped past 2%, um, you know, there's been some sort of depression that happens. And maybe that's the case. I mean, maybe there is a reason for every time this happens that, that happens or, you know, that direct correlation. But what I don't understand, because I, you know, this time might be different, but the M2 money supply shot up. It shot up like 25 to 30% in the year previous. I think another 12% prior to that. And now I thought that was 2021. I thought that was right after we just printed yeah, our 2021, 2022. So we've shot up 30 to 40%, right? And now it goes down 2%. So they're going to say, oh, we have to freak out because we're down. It never should have been as high as it was. 
So I do what you're, see what you're saying because I, I followed that logic and what they were saying in that article. I just, I, I can't imagine that this is going to be that catalyst. But maybe, no, it's but not. I, think, I think people use excuses like this to be a catalyst to ruin the economy. Things no, that are way out of no. our control. Let me let me interject. I don't think this is going to be a catalyst for anything. I don't think unless I just brought it up, anybody would ever have heard of it or looked into it. I think it's another it's another domino. I just see all these dominoes. Monday, just this past Monday, I remember going into an appointment. I came to the office and I was kind of chuckling. It it was funny because I was hearing about Russia launching a nuclear missile from a submarine. Like successfully like they successfully are launching nuclear tipped warheaded missiles and then i looked in the market thinking well you know certainly something is going to spook the markets certainly something is just, no no dow was up 41 points you know I, it's just all of these things next to each other is going to be the catalyst you you've got such ridiculousness going on right now most of it little and petty and doesn't matter when i talk about Elon Musk wanted to put wires in my brain. Have at it. I'm not using half of it anyway. You know, just the things that I read in between finding stuff for the show. I read this morning that Meta, Facebook, now they're more important because they're Meta. There's going to be a whole universe of Facebook people. Meta and Microsoft are ramping up their efforts. They're going to police the political ads for the this upcoming year's political season. They're going to start making sure that there's no misinformation. Oh, you did a good job the last few years. So, you know, I'm going to trust Meta and Microsoft to tell me whether or not what I'm reading is being influenced by AI. It all ties in together. They're saying that if you if you run an ad on Meta and there's any use of AI in it, you have to declare that. Oh, okay. How are you going to police that? How are you going to police people that want to make somebody look bad and say, well, I, we think you used AI. We're not going to show it. That's what you did with the virus stuff. I mean, you, you picked and choose what got through, whether that was a good thing or not. I don't know whether you were really trying to help the country or not. I don't know. I just think it's too much. Biden, Biden administration, sorry to make this political. It's just the current administration. They're, they're looking into banning menthol cigarettes. Have you heard this one, Anthony? I brought up the big gulp, Mayor Bloomberg in New York, saying you can't have a 32 ounce big gulp, but you can have two. You can have two small ones. Anyway, so now they're working on banning... Do you not have bigger stuff to do, government? Banning menthol cigarettes. Do you remember, Anthony, ever reading history about the prohibition? What happened with alcohol? What did people do that wanted alcohol and they couldn't get it at the local liquor store? They found a way to get it. You know, people that want menthol cigarettes, they're going to find a way to get it. I would say with the cartel presence in this country right now, you, you're going to make a big business for somebody. While, while you're making well, marijuana. That funded the war on drugs, right? Oh, the war on drugs is going really well. In that business, yeah. The war on drugs went really well the last de few decades of my life. So anyway, so yeah, I, I here we go. The government is is it's insane. All the stuff we're doing and all the stuff we're not doing. You know, Seattle is weighing tripling property level to ease housing crisis. I, I I can't believe all the stuff I'm reading here. And by the way, with the cigarettes thing, I don't know. I mean, I'm an ex smoker. I quit in 1999. So I, I don't care what the price of cigarettes does. I also don't want my government telling me what brand or what kind of cigarettes I can smoke if I'm a smoker. And, I, and I'm watching, I mean, you know, the recreational that marijuana. can't be a man if you, you don't smoke the same cigarettes as me. <laughs> Is that Rolling Stone song? I think it's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <called laughs> it deep dive into that. So, you know, 
I, I mean, I have so much. I don't know what to get to. We only have a couple more minutes, and I hate this. You know, Citibank hires twenty four thousand employees. I, I I have this list of stuff going on, and I'm like, I, I what's even important right now? So, and I know the M two money supply shrinking. That's not a black swan event. That's well, no, I mean, it is. It is very important, right? There are it. There's a reason why that article was written, but I was like, it doesn't take into account the full picture. But it's that's such a small thing because I see all the time, you know, all these articles like, oh, something drops this, whatever. This is going to s- trigger this, but it's like. Well, you didn't take into account the fact that it's skyrocketed way before that and that it never should have been to that part in the, the first place. So this little correction isn't much. But anyways, that's no, I guess that's for another time. It looks like we're in the, the home stretch. So that's, you know, if for today's show, if you like what you heard, you have questions about any of the topics from today or you want to sit down with us to review your personal financial situation, you can reach out to us at team at anothermoneyshow.com find us on the web at anothermoneyshow.com you can book appointments straight from the website um if you want to hear more of our voices more of our opinions hear more of the you know we told you so because i feel like the stuff we bring up on this show is well ahead before uh you know the other advisors we're seeing out there bringing up if they're even bringing it up i think a lot of advisors are still just trying to sell um, you know, regardless of how weird the world is. Anyways, you can listen to us, Another Money Show, wherever you like and subscribe to podcasts. Um, if you don't want, if you do want to sit with us, remember, there are no minimums. There's no cost for appointments. There's nothing to lose by getting a second opinion on your financial situation. Um, we will see you again next Saturday right here at noon on 960 The Patriot. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor, BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Do you want a steady stream of income for retirement? Then it's time to consider annuities. I'm Matt McClure with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. Gone are the days when most employers offered pensions with guaranteed lifetime payouts to their workers. But what if I told you that you can build your own personal pension? It's possible with an annuity. An annuity is a financial product that provides a series of regular payments to an individual over a specified period of time, often for the rest of their life. There are several options for you to consider when choosing an annuity. Be confident in knowing that there is an annuity out there that can meet all of your needs. Ford Stokes is founder and president of Active Wealth Management and author of the book, Annuity 360. There are several different types of annuities, including fixed, variable, and fixed indexed. A fixed annuity offers a specific guaranteed interest rate on their contributions to the account. A fixed index annuity is an accumulation-based product offered by an insurance company. The growth of your fixed index annuity is dependent on the performance of a chosen stock market index, but your money is not actually invested in this index. This offers you great growth potential and exceptional protection for your investment. While each can provide tax-deferred growth and a lifetime income stream, 
Variable annuities put your principal at risk in the market. If you are currently investing in a variable annuity, your funds could be in serious trouble if the market experience any downturns. With so many possible choices to consider, it's essential you speak to a financial advisor or professional to help you make the best decision for your future. So, are you ready to consider an annuity as part of your retirement plan? It's a key question to consider as you approach what should be your golden years. With the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Matt McClure. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer.